Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys. Adam, how many surveys as a customer do you think you've received in the last, let's say, year? In the last year? Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to go into the thousands since we are, you know, late in the year now. And so knowing that you are a dedicated customer experience and customer service professional. Oh, gosh. You're going to set me up bad here, aren't you? I know what's, I know what's coming. all of them, right? With meaningful customer feedback that then that organization can use to improve the experience for everybody, right? Yeah, exactly. Sure. How did you know, Jeannie? <laughs> well, I figured since you do nothing else except respond to surveys. Uh, because that's that's obvious what I, it's obviously what I'm spending my weekends doing. It's what I spend my days <laughs> doing. It's all I do. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly, we as customers are getting a lot of surveys and the numbers are pretty staggering when you actually look at it. And because of that, the feedback that companies getting, the quality is actually going down. Um, so I really, really enjoyed the conversation we had with Max Israel from Customerville today because he really painted a different approach for surveys that I think is hopefully the direction of the future. Yeah. I mean, we all know about survey fatigue. And one of the things we talk about in the interview with Max is the why behind survey fatigue on what's, mm -hmm. what's happening, why people like me receive a thousand and don't respond to any of them, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, people respond when they, and this has always been like one of the catches with NPS and all that is you know, people who respond when they're super happy or super upset. Right. Uh, and, you know, and that's not just NPS, I should say that's any really metric based kind of thing. And that's one of the catches. And then, I mean, you know, you're going to hear about Genie ranting to companies, of course. I mean, that, that's sort of a <laughs> given, but you know, get, it's really not getting but... quality. You set yourself up. I didn't even I say know, I I'm did. just saying. I did. Um, yeah. I'm, but on a serious note, you know, getting quality feedback is really becoming a challenge and getting quality feedback um, sort of across the spectrum of customers can be mm -hmm. a challenge. And I think, you know, Max has got some really good tips and ideas and, uh, you know, data from what they do uh, about how we can be better at this. That's true. That's true. And yeah, I think anybody can learn from this, uh, whether you're doing surveys or not. It's really important with thinking through how we connect as humans. So let's let's go ahead and give the people what they want, which is the interview with Max. Do it. <laughs> Woo. So Max Israel is the founder and CEO of Customerville, the design-driven customer feedback platform. Customerville blends technology with art and behavioral science to make customer experience surveys richly engaging for customers and employees who receive the feedback. Max also hosts a vlog where he talks to customer experience leaders. Hey, Max, we're so excited to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you? It's wonderful to be here. Well, we are fantastic. Excited to talk with you. And here's the thing about, you know, we talk a lot about customer surveys on this program, talk a lot about listening to your customer, customers and all of that. And it, apparently this year, People are going to receive a quarter of a trillion. <laughs> That's with a T. <laughs> with a T, trillion. Uh, they're going to be asked for their opinion. 
that seems like a lot. I'm not really good at math. So how exactly did this happen? How did we get here? And how has this blizzard of surveys impacted customers? Yeah, that is a boatload of surveys, isn't it? That is just a lot, right? That's a boat. We're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. You know, it's interesting. Um, we probably, Customerville probably fielded the first real-time customer experience survey in the world about 15 years ago. So we've kind of seen it all. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you've seen is that uh, although Customerville is, is you know, an organic growth story, we're not venture funded, we've grown organically. Our industry was heavily, you know, funded by venture capital. You're talking, you know, billions of dollars in venture capital. And so you've got all of these survey tools and voice of the customer platforms that have been coming into the market. And um, they all kind of look at surveys the same way as this idea that, hey, it's just a web form. Uh, You put a form on the web and you expect people to fill it out. And as they've tried to replicate that over and over and over again, you've just seen this huge amount of surveys. You probably, guys, you probably remember the first time you got a survey online or something like that. But now I bet you get many of them every day. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. That's how we got here. Mm. And what they're do you too think- easy, right? Well, sorry, Jenny. Uh, I would say there, it, it's um, is part of it just that they're so easy to send now. Yeah, there's no cost. That's exactly right. They're they're easy to send out, and there's not a lot of editing behind it or thoughtfulness behind it. So you can have a company where lots of people are able to send them out, and oops, suddenly we just get this tidal wave of them. The funny thing is, is that people have kind of gotten sick of them, and as a mm-hmm. result, if you look around you know, people's willingness to take a survey has gone down. All of the companies that Customerville works with in 20 different countries, they all have that same problem of trying to keep survey response rates up, but also just the quality of the feedback that people give has gone down. Well, and I totally agree with that. And partially, I would think, and let me know what you think about this. um, The reason the quality of the feedback has gone down is because so many of us poured our hearts out as customers, right? Like we say, I cannot believe this happened. I'm yelling into this thing. And we get no response. We see no changes. And you get the sense that organizations are so busy collecting all this feedback that then they're just like, okay, now we have this mountain of feedback. Let's send out another survey. (laughs) 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 Don't really do anything with it. So is that part of the reason why the quality of the feedback is going down? Because customers don't trust these companies to do anything with it. Oh, absolutely. You've kind of, uh, Jeannie, you've kind of nailed it. I mean, look, the the thing that that always uh, kind of mystifies me is that people do things when they're asking for feedback online via a survey that they would never do face to face. All of those rules about how you get feedback from people and exchange opinions face-to-face, they still apply if you're using technology. So if you ask me, you know, for, for my, you know, if, if you ask me for my opinion on something and I share it with you, and as I'm looking at you while I'm talking, I see your eyes kind of glaze over. You ever have that happen where you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking to someone and you see their eyes aren't actually focused on yours. They're kind of in space. That's my 15-year-old. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's curious about when you're talking to your 15-year-old, what's curious is the difference between his or her eyes being focused on yours at the distance of, a you know, call it a meter apart, is a tiny fraction of a millimeter. 
Mm. And yet you, Jeannie, you, everybody, all of us are so sensitive at detecting disingenuousness, someone who's kind of BSing. They're not really authentic. You're so good at sensing it that you can detect that difference when someone's not really paying attention from just a meter away. Well, you got all kinds of ways of doing that. Your brain is incredibly good at detecting if someone's authentically listening. And so when you're pouring your heart out into a a survey or something like that, and people aren't responding, that's a no-brainer. You're just going to get mad. Your Mm -hmm. perception of the brand, your perception of the company and the employees behind it is going to go down. Well, I've gone so far. Sorry, Adam. I was just going to rant. Um, I've gone so far as saying, like, I know you will never respond to this, but. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Jeez, you, you do, you're ranting and did rant, apparently. I did. Well, after like three or four times where you keep getting the same survey. Yeah. I mean, it feels exactly what you're talking about, Max. It feels yeah. disingenuous and it feels like why bother? Because you, nobody I, cares. Can I, can I tell you a secret? Mm hmm. Um, maybe the one of the most important things that we at Customerville ever learned. You know, our company is about making surveys that blend you know, great technology, obviously, with art and behavioral science. So they have a lot of this emotional intelligence. And maybe the best uh, research we ever came across, we got for free. Didn't cost us anything. There's a whole group of people who can't empathize uh, humans. They, they have a condition called Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we started studying Asperger's and how people like occupational therapists and people like that help people with Asperger's to mimic empathy um, when things are good and also when things when there's some conflict there, we learned how to start training our surveys so that you didn't feel like you weren't being listened to. So we could make you, you may still be mad in the best company in the world, things are going to go wrong. You're mm-hmm. going to want to tell them about it. But at least you feel like you're being listened to. If you can get over the hump on that, um, then you're you're really cooking with gas. And the biggest leap we ever took, we got that research. For, for, it was publicly available. We got it for free. Wow. Wow. So here's a question. How much does timing and channel impact um, you know, survey response? Um, not only just the the response, but the depth of response or the willingness to uh, you know share information. Do, do you have anything on? Is it sort of context dependent? I assume it somewhat is, but are there some basic rules about timing and channel? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, if we're talking about you know appearing authentic and engaged, right? As people, um, those same rules apply to the survey. So you. You, you kind of imagine, if you will, uh, a matrix, right, Adam, where, you know, you need to respond quickly. So speed counts, especially if somebody's upset, speed counts. But then oh, you yeah. also need to be intelligent enough to respond with the right questions. So if I respond quickly, but with the wrong information and the wrong question, I'm asking the wrong questions, I'm asking repetitively then I look disingenuous. I, I'm responding quickly, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm asking the wrong things. Uh, if I respond slowly and re- with the wrong questions, well, then I'm just clueless. If I respond quickly, uh, well, sorry, if I respond um, uh, slowly, but with the right questions, then I'm kind of a day late and a dollar short. But boy, oh boy, if in any channel, if you can respond quickly, almost in real time, and with the right questions and, and the right acknowledgement, 
then you look highly engaged and authentic. So you're, let's say you are filing a claim for a life insurance company and you take a survey and you start typing the comments, you know, I'm really frustrated. I'm a small business owner. I don't understand why I have to fill out all this paperwork. Um, uh, an intelligent human would say, hey, let's stop for a sec. I, something's wrong here and I can tell that paper, well, you shouldn't have to fill out all that paperwork. Let me see what I can do. And you'd feel listened to. Mm-hmm. And you'd feel like this person's in my corner, they're engaged, they're authentic. Well, if you can make the survey or you know do the same thing, you can make it listen to the text and acknowledge, A, something's wrong, I'm going to respond right now. And B, um, there's, an, there's some frustration happening here and it has to do with filling out paperwork. I'm going to suggest, hey, can I direct you to a service expert right now? I'll connect, the, I'll connect you via a, a chat or I'll have this person call you immediately and we'll get this straightened out. Then you've hit the bullseye. So that Mm -hmm. channel and speed really count. Well, that's a great, that uh, example is a great example because, so let's take it a step further. One of the things Jeannie and I have discussed on the show is this idea of not really understanding what the real problem is. So, you know, taking that sort of insurance example, I hate all this paperwork. And then you send the survey saying, how friendly was your agent? Right. <laughs> right. It doesn't. Um, so, uh, you know, are there any techniques or ideas for asking the right question at the right time? You know, to take the timing a, a step further. Yeah. You know, there's a, a number of ways you can do that really well. Um, and again, all of this comes down to mimicking um, how a, what, w- what we would you know say a well-informed well-intended person would do this. So if we're going to ask you to take a survey, the first thing we want to do is be smart about it and make sure that we understand what sources of data do we have. Let's just extend this uh, example of the insurance. The the insurance company knows a lot about you. It knows what kind of policy you have, what kind of claim you filed, who you are, you know, and a lot of who you're dealing with in the company. We want to bake all of that into the survey invitation link. So when the survey shows up, it's not a survey that asks 10 questions. It's a survey that's smart enough to ask 100 questions, but it's also smart enough to only ask the three or four right ones, right, based on what we already know. So if you're a well-informed human, you already know some stuff about this customer, you, you take that information into account. But then there's some things you're not going to know, and you take a really – You'd, you'd really, you know, use your kind of social intelligence to figure that stuff out quickly. And we can do the same thing. We can use things like text analytics uh, to tag for category and emotional sentiment and things like that that help us get to the bottom of what went wrong in a survey. By the way, guys, I, I don't want to get, you know, too crazy about what went wrong. Most of the time it's what went right. And then we have to figure out how can we surface that and leverage that positive praise in the company. So it's easy to think about what went wrong. And that is a very important use case, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, didn't uh, say, gosh, Jeannie, Adam, most of the time. It's <laughs> yeah. That's- well, tell me what you, I'm going to jump in Jeannie real quick because mm-hmm. I want to ask Max what he thinks of this idea. Cause when you were talking about how you were ranting to companies, I know you're not going to listen to this. The problem <laughs> is you're, you're, this is, that's ranting like 
2.0. You've got to move to ranting 3.0 and realize that everybody's doing like textual analysis and sentiment analysis. Right. So now you don't even say anything. All you do is just put in all the keywords you know are going to make it pop. <laughs> it's just like hate, weighted, <laughs> line, <Yeah. laughs> on hold. Impatient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, what do you think of that as far as complaining goes? Just a, a whole bunch of words. <laughs> that, that is really funny. People who are in CX, you know, mm-hmm. customer experience geeks know how to hack the system. <laughs> We're the worst. Um, I, we are the worst. <laughs> so, so guys, you know, we are a technology company. Customerville is a software company, but our roots are in art, right? So oh. uh, uh, anybody here see Hamilton? Oh my gosh! I'm like yeah. the world's biggest fan. <laughs> so Me too. She she really is. To start the yeah. soundtrack because I could. <laughs> Holy cow! I've seen that thing like three times. Cried my freaking yep. eyes out. Right. Uh, so what's so interesting about that is you're you'll never have met you'll you'll probably never meet any of the people who produced that artwork. Mm-hmm. And yet you were so touched. You formed an emotional connection. They touched you deeply and emotionally. That speaks to the power of art to create a human connection, mm-hmm. right? Even when you don't have a human-to-human contact. And that's part of the reason our surveys are so art-driven. Um, what we want to do, and very often what we are doing, is using art, whether they're digital watercolors or photographs or videos, to try and create this sense that the survey respondent has a connection to the employees behind the company. People don't give feedback to brands. And they sure as hell don't give feedback to websites. They give feedback to people. Mm-hmm. So what you're trying to do is take a storytelling approach. And behind all this fabulous technology, make sure your survey is artistically introducing within the brand, of course, but you're trying to introduce and create a sense of human connection to the people and then when you do that, what you find is people just give much more thoughtful content. They give, yes, they have a much higher response rate. I think our surveys get somewhere between a 200 and a 600% higher response rate. Wow. But they also just get more words, better, richer syntax. When people are pissed off, they're more dignified about how they express <laughs> that. And all of that comes from the fact that we um, use a lot of art in every survey we do to create a sense of connection between you, the survey respondent, and the actual people who turn the key and open the door every morning in that company to make it go. And if you can, that's why art is so important in these things. And I don't think anybody else in our industry even thinks of it that way, but I want you not to feel like you're talking to a server. So you're going to try and hack it by putting in keywords that the text analytics engine mm-hmm. is going to, if you're there, dude, things have gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. But I want you to feel like, hey, I, I'm giving feedback that will authentically legit be read by real people who could be my neighbor. Right. 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 And That's if, so if you can do that, boy, oh boy, you get good feedback. So let's circle back to what you were saying a little bit about the positive aspect of this and uh-huh. as well as ju- what you just said, because there are times where I think we sometimes forget that the people who are serving customers, who are doing great work, who are providing value and empathy and making that human connection, we sometimes don't recognize them the way we should, especially when it comes to the 
feedback that we get from customers saying specific names, right? Like we, the positive feedback often is associated with a specific named employee. And they say, Jane was really exceptional in this moment. I really appreciate Jane. How do we make sure that we get that feedback to Jane in the right time? Because I think sometimes what I've seen is we file that away, leaders file that away, and then at her annual review, they say, you've gotten a lot of nice feedback. (laughs) But in the the day that she's having kind of a rotten day, but then that comes in, wouldn't that be awesome to get that to her? So are there ways that you're seeing that done well? Yeah, that is the core of what Customerville's software platform does. I think people know us as the, the the amazing survey people, and I, and I'm look, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna walk away from that. We make the best surveys in the world, <laughs> but I think of us as a publishing platform. So we want you, right, Jeannie, If you are the head of voice of the customer, or customer experience at a company, I think the worst thing in the world is for you to think of yourself as a postman or a postwoman of data where your job is to collect all this data and then distribute it or put it in the right hands of people. I want you to think of yourself like a publisher or maybe like a Netflix producer. Your job is to collect these amazing stories. Some of them going to be negative. Yeah. Most of them are going to be positive about the people who make the joint run every day. And then I want you to be automating the process of curating these stats, these stories, these photos, all that stuff into the hands of employees every single day. Mm -hmm. And our job is not, and I'm just going to tell you, this is heresy in my industry. It is not about the data, okay? It's about making the people who work in the company feel good about themselves, feel good about their jobs, feel proud when they do something amazing. Because if you can do that every single day, um, you just you do all kinds of good stuff. You 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 lower employee churn. Mm-hmm. You lower absenteeism. You, inc- you yes, you improve your CSAT scores and customer loyalty. But you're just doing an amazing thing to make these employees feel great about their life and their job, and that just flows through to the customer experience. So you are spot on. This is not about putting some stuff in the file for the cust- for that employee's annual review. This is about curating a vivid story uh, to that employee every single day. I love that. Yeah, I do too. That's a fantastic metaphor. And I mean, it's it's always good to remember. And, and I like the way you use the Netflix producer. I'm a little worried Jeannie's going to add that to her LinkedIn profile now, but <laughs> I still like it. Uh, but no, I mean, it's super important to like humanize it and use it to create engagement and create that connection. I think that's a powerful message. So Max, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for spending this time with us, sharing your insights. Uh let everyone know where they can find you, learn more, all that good stuff, please. Awesome. You can certainly, uh, the best way to follow me is on LinkedIn, uh, but you can also check out, we have a vlog called 40 Billion Reasons. That's one of the most widely viewed vlogs in in customer experience. You can check that out on our website, customerville.com slash vlog, V-L-O-G. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Max. This was a great conversation and we really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Max. So on a scale from 1 to 10, Adam, (laughs) 
How would you rate that interview? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> our amps go to 11, Jeannie. <laughs> well, I, one thing I wanted to point out, I think Max deserves props, and I don't think this is an accident. Perhaps the shortest bio anyone's ever turned into us to read on the podcast. And yes. I, I don't think it's, you know, any accident that the short bio comes from the person who understands that no one has time or attention for anything anymore. Very smart, Max. So props on the bio just right up front. Yeah, there you go. But there the, you go. But the conversation was great. And uh, despite I'm a little fearful, I think is the best word I'm going to for it. Uh, a little fearful that you now think you're a Netflix producer. Uh, <laughs> other than that, there were some amazing takeaways. I have some great ideas. I'd love to... Uh you know, drop off a script later for you. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> um, no, I thought I thought it was really interesting because when we talk about surveys in general, and I think you and I have both experienced this with clients and with the industry, those conversations a lot of times just devolve into conversations about the output of numbers. And I think it's super easy then to forget that you're sending these surveys to real people. And as Max pointed out, that the feedback is then delivered to real people who have to do something about it. And so the more that we can emphasize that human connection and that emotional intelligence, I mean, that's that's what we're starting to get away from. And I, I loved how this conversation came back to that over and over, like really connecting the dots between there, there are human beings on both sides of the survey, and we can't ever forget that. What is this? people idea you speak of, Jeannie. <laughs> I don't understand. Yes. Well, they're artificially intelligent robots. <laughs> oh, I get it. Now that makes sense. <laughs> I thought you were going to actually interject human beings into customer experience. We don't do that yes. anymore, Jeannie. It's 2019. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I thought, I thought it was great. Yeah, me too. I agree. Well, this was an excellent episode. Jeannie, so we don't get bad survey results. Why don't you take us away? <laughs> well, thank you so much. Speaking of surveys, we love your ratings and reviews. So keep those coming wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We are a proud member of C-Suite Radio. So be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, CX training and workshops and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Tapork and you can learn more about our keynote speaking, customer service workshops and training and possibly a new book at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.